So I want to preach you guys about something that God's preaching to me about, and it's um, which is the, always the best way to do it. Um, God's sort of been laying on my heart about getting alone with Him, being uh, setting time apart for you and God, just you and God. Like we come together all the time and spend time as a church on a Sunday, or we get together at young adults, or we come together, you know, at these different groups and meetings, and we pray to God and we spend time with Him. But often we can neglect, and I have neglected, to spend time by myself alone with God. And it just, it baffled me that I would uh, get like that when I was reading through the Bible about how many times Jesus himself uh, leads the example and gets alone by himself and withdraws to the lake or withdraws to a mountainside or withdraws away to spend time with his Father in prayer. Um, So I want to talk to you guys about getting alone with God and also a bit about prayer as well. Um, so the first thing, first thing I want to say about is um, we all know that um, when you're living in this world, there's hundreds of thousands of agendas out there. And every person, every group, every uh, TV show, every movie has its own little agenda that it tries to push into your life and onto your life. And if we neglect to, to get alone with God and spend time with Him, often we can find ourselves, without even noticing, taking on board these agendas like, um, uh, for example, uh, I was watching a show on Netflix with Rushi and um, it just subtly brings in these um, these acceptances of uh, uh, transgender, homosexuality and like normalising... Uh, a bunch of stuff that in the Bible says is is not right in God's sight or something that we shouldn't practice. Like, uh, for example, uh, you watch a thousand movies about Ouija boards and all these kind of things, and God specifically says in His Bible, in the in His Word, that it's wrong. Don't do it. Don't mess with it. Stay away from it. But if it's becoming normalised and it's getting pushed upon, you know, there's a statistic that I read that was just alarming that 70% of teenagers in America had been um, exposed to some sort of spiritual spiritualism in regards to like Ouija boards or uh, tarot cards or palm readings, that sort of stuff. And, um, and the Bible specifically says, stay away from it. But it's a, an agenda of the world that gets pushed upon our young people and, and everyone uh, that can be easily taken on board if we're not careful. Um, I think the best way to go about this is to, to, to paint a picture of how often God and Jesus met together, and how often Jesus withdrew. So um, I won't ask you guys to open your Bible because I'm about to read about 13 13 scriptures. Um, All through the Bible, so all through, especially the book of Mark, Mark wastes no time in getting into um, uh, Jesus and spending time with God and his divinity and his relationship with God. He doesn't even, in Mark, I'm pretty sure it doesn't even, he doesn't even have the the story of baby Jesus getting born and, and brought into the world. So... In Mark chapter one twelve, this is when Jesus starts his ministry. It says, The Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights where he was tempted. In Mark one thirty five, Jesus left early in the morning to pray and everyone was looking for him. When he came back, he said, It's time to move on. In Mark chapter 2 verse 23, he withdrew alone to the lake. In Mark chapter 3 verse 7, he withdrew to the lake with his disciples. In Mark 3.13, he went to the mountainside to pray and spent a night praying to God, which is also uh, written in Luke 6. Uh, In Matthew 14.13, 
Jesus heard of John the Baptist's beheading and he withdrew by boat. It says he withdrew by boat to, privately to a solitary place. In Mark 6, 31 to 32, he's, uh, he said to his disciples, come and rest. And they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, after Jesus dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. In Luke 9, 18, Matthew 15, 29, Mark 9, 2, and many other times, Jesus withdraws away from, his, uh, from the crowds, from the busyness of life, from the busyness of his ministry, because he had thousands of people coming out to see what he was doing and what, uh, wanted to hear what he would have to say because of the authority that he carried under, under God. But he withdrew so many times, and it baffled me that I, myself, had failed to see that importance of, of, of getting on your own with God. There's a, there's a real, a real uh, you can see by how often Jesus did it, there's a real importance, there's a real something in this. And I want to try, try to unpack a little bit about it. So I noticed through reading all these scriptures that he, he, won, he went away and withdrew for direction. He withdrew to spend time with the Father. He said, he said Jesus said, I never do anything except the will of my Father. So he went, he withdrew, he went to the lake, he went to the mountainside so that he could say, God, you know, Father, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What's next? Where are you sending me? How do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? What's something that you want to achieve your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Another thing he did, or obviously with um, spending time with God, he, he got this intimacy with God. He got this, went to this place where he would, he would know his father. He spent so much time with him that he just, he knew him. He, he gained this uh, knowledge of his will because if you spend time with someone, as you know, you get to know what they want. You get to know their desires. You get to know their will. So him spending time with God then allowed him to know this is the will of God. This is the will of my father. I can walk this way now. I can go over to the Lake of Galilee now. I can go to Jerusalem now. I'm going to walk over to here because it's my father's will. He went away for rest. Um, you know, how often do we think we can do everything but then find out that you actually need to sleep once every 48 hours or so, you know? It, um, it catches up with us. And, you know, Jesus knew that we have to rest. You know, even God rested on the seventh day after creating the, the earth. You know, rest is something that's super important. That's still something that I probably need to learn how to do. Um, and we all do, you know. Resting is an important part of, uh, of our lives. And... Um, how that happens, God will show me one day. Um, he went away for grieving and comfort. You know, when he heard of John the Baptist's um, beheading, he went and went away to a solitary, solitary place. He didn't. He didn't go away to isolate himself and feel sorry for himself. See, when I've growing up, and Rishi will be able to tell you, every time I, um, every time something crazy happened in my life and I felt down and sad and whatever, I would just go off by myself and isolate myself and do a thousand push-ups or do something else silly like, I don't know, play Xbox or, um, you know, do just be silly. I remember one time we were in Queensland and, and um, I don't know, I can't remember what happened. Anyway, I just ran away onto the beach and felt sorry for myself for a while. But Jesus didn't go by himself. See, he went to consult God. When he gets by himself, he, he goes, I'm retreating by boat, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be with my father. You know, he knows, he knows what's up. He knows my heart. He knows where I'm at. He knows what's to come. He knows what's already been. And, um, you know, he understands, you know, when you love someone, and like Jesus loved John the Baptist, 
um, you know, he prepared the way for him, and he he knew that. And then for him to die was a huge, huge hit. Um, and so there's so many, so many things. But I say I reckon the most important thing about getting alone with God would be to pray. And there's a couple of misconceptions about prayer that I want to go through. You know, uh, like I think personally think this isn't a statistic or nothing. Seventy uh, percent of Christians, I reckon think praying is just asking for something of God. God, I need this. God, I need that. Um, you know, this can be, uh, I know, God, if you would just do this, you know, please, you know, I need this or he needs that or, you know, I think that the sermon's for, for this lady. I pray that you would, you know, give it to her or whatever. Um, or when things go wrong, you know, God, you know, why is this going wrong? Blah, 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 blame, blame, blame. And we, um, we miscon- we, there's a misconception about, about prayer as asking for things or petitioning to God, which isn't necessarily wrong. See, there's times in the Bible where people pray to God and they pray in prayer and petition. It says that in the Bible. But um, prayer is spending time with God, spending time with your heavenly Father who knows you so intimately, who knows what you need, what you, ne- uh, what you need to hear. See, often for me specifically, uh, well, not specifically me, for all of us, but um, I'd come to God and I wouldn't let him speak. I wouldn't let him say anything. I'd come to God and I'd be like, God, you know, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. This, oh, I need this. Oh, God, you know, you're so good. I thank you for this, 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 and this. And then, amen. See you later. That's enough. Um, but God actually wants to speak to us as well. And often that's uh, through, the, through the Word. You know, when you're, when you're reading your Bible, when you go, uh, go to pray to God, you know, I'd say the best thing to pray and, and read at the same time because God shows you things through, through His Word. Um, now, this blew my mind. Um, there's a time when, just before Jesus teaches his disciples the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, as we, as we know it, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And I was thinking about it for ages. I was talking to Rich about it. When else do you hear the disciples say, Jesus, we want you to teach us how to get demons out of people? Jesus, we want, you to, we want you to teach us how to walk on water. <laughs> no, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And it's the only time that I can see where they say, Jesus, teach us something. So there must have been something crazy of, that happened when Jesus prayed. When Jesus got by himself, or even with the disciples, there must have been something awesome that happened. And I believe that, G, that they, the disciples would have watched Jesus communicating with God, and they wanted, they wanted to know God. Jesus, how do I communicate with God the way you do? How do I walk in purpose and in favor and in glory the way that you do? How can I walk by God's direction? How can I have God's hand on me saying, go here, go there, say this, say that, go rest, go to the lake by yourself, come and see me? Now, when do we see the disciples ask him to teach us anything else? And there's something, there's something that God teaches us in the Our Father prayer. Um, Hands up if you know the Our Father. Um, awesome. Let's just say it together real quick. Um, ready? Three, two, one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. O lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Now, there's another misconception about prayer is that we pray the Our Father, and this is what I got taught in uh, school, we pray the Our Father, and, and that, that's good, that's, that's all. Because Jesus said, this is how you pray, that's how you pray. You don't need to do anything else, you don't need to say anything else, the Our Father's enough. Um, you pray that, you repeat it, and that's all sweet. But then you read in Matthew 6, verse 7, Jesus says, don't repeat, don't babble. Um, and don't just continuously say the same thing because you won't achieve anything. So the first, um, you know, I've grown up in, uh, went through Catholic school and they say, you know, here's the Lord's Prayer. You say, you know, five Lord's Prayers and, and 15 Hail Marys or I can't remember what it is. Um, and then I read here in Matthew 6, don't, don't repeat, don't babble. Um, what's, the, what's the deal? What's the go? And then, um, and then I uh, read again in Luke chapter 11, and I'll read this one. Um, Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 2 onwards. Jesus said, this is how you pr- should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And then went on to teach them more about prayer in parables. So if we're taught to just repeat the Lord's Prayer, which one do we repeat? Do we repeat the one he said in Matthew or do we repeat the one he said in Luke 11? See, it's, it's not for us to repeat. It's not for us to just continuously do. But there's things in the prayer that Jesus was introducing to us uh, to do principles to praying to God. Foundation for prayer. That's, that's exactly right, Stace. Um, the first thing, the first thing I want to want to introduce to you guys is the, the the our Father. The first two words, our Father. Now, back back in the day, the Jewish people, uh, the name, the word Father wasn't um, wasn't like an unknown terminology. They said they saw Father. You know, they'd say our Father God, Father God, as the Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father of the nations, the Father who created the whole earth. Um, you know, the father of all things sort of thing. But Jesus, um, when he's talking in Matthew, that, that in Aramaic, he says the word Abba, um, which is best translated in English to daddy or dad. So he introduced this intimacy with God as, as Abba instead of the creator, the, the guy way up there who, who we can't see, touch, feel. He introduced to him as, as, as dad. And, um, you know, for me, this week, a um, couple times praying, and I'd say, hey, dad. And it felt super awkward, super awkward. I'm like, oh, um, you know, God, you're so great and you're awesome and you're just a majestic, but you're my dad. And you can actually walk up to him and say, hey, dad, how you going? Like, how's, how's things? What's, what's going on? And, and Jesus, and it was just this, this revolutionary thing to the Jewish people at the time because uh, they'd always seen him as like, you know, this big, great, mighty God, which he is, but unapproachable like your father. Like, like to, to introduce God as a, as a, you know, you go up to your dad and you shake, you shake your dad's hand and you say, how you going, how's your day? You know, that's, that's Jesus' relationship with God and he wants us to understand that he is our father. Um. And it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I was listening to a, um, 
I was listening to a, a guy named Francis Chan. He's my, one of my favorite, favorite preachers. He's just awesome. And he, he said um, one of the things he, he reckons he's put on the earth for is to raise people's respect levels for God. Because, um, you know, in this day and age, you look around, you watch horror movies, and you see this priest carrying in the corner to this weird-looking thing in the corner or something like that. And they just paint Christians as these little wimps who are under the thumb of the devil and, and who are, you know, not mighty, who are just these weak people who rely on God. But he's saying, this is my God who is in heaven, and, and, and we're to revere his name. And... Um, it got me thinking. In Second Timothy, it uh, talks about God being in this at this throne room, in this unapproachable light, in this great, mighty place. And in Isaiah chapter chapter six, um, it depicts angels uh, in the throne room of God with six wings on their back, with two covering their face and two covering with their feet, just saying, "Holy, holy, holy, are you, Lord?" Now that is an incredible, amazing picture. In your, in, your, in your head, how, how powerful, how mighty our God is, where he sits above all things, above the earth, and we can come to him and say, Dad, you know, hey, it's me, it's me, Trav, um, you know, this is what's going on, where do you want me to go, you know, can you direct me? Um, it's just crazy to think that, uh, you know, the world has its agenda, like I said before, paints Christianity, paints... Um, you know, God as smaller than he is. And you read all through the Bible that he is a mighty God. He comes down, clouds over the mountain and talks to Moses. He comes down and he meets them in the, in the tabernacle. He comes and shows up as a pillar of fire through the night and a pillar of cloud through the day for the Israelites. You know, time and time again, he comes down in thundering and winds and reveals himself to his people. He is a mighty, mighty God. He is a mighty mighty God. And we are to revere his name. You know, um, I love, any of you guys seen Indiana Jones, those movies? Um, I love that. I love um, how back then it was probably people still revered God a bit more than they do now, I guess. Um, and the, tem- uh, not the Temple of Doom, what's it called? Crusaders of the Lost Ark, that one. And they got the Ark of, Ark of the Covenant and they're walking around and then they open it up. And it just fries everyone. Everyone dies because there's this awesome power coming out of the ark. And, and, and it's just it's awesome. And you look at it and you get a bit scared. You get a bit fearful. And, you know, that fear of God and fear of his awesome power is actually true. You know, our God is all-powerful. Our God is almighty. And, 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 and he gets painted in this world as, as um, you know, weak or small. And it should annoy us. It should anger us it should annoy us that people go and they just disregard god and they say no you know whatever god you know he doesn't need i don't need god blah 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 blah. you know he's not that big or you see people and you go oh you know rah 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 and they say well all their all their spiels about god and and why they don't need him or why he's smaller why he's not greater but we know that god is almighty god is all powerful and that he's in a throne room and of unapproachable light but we can now approach where the angels have got their faces and their feet covers out of reverence, we can come to the throne room with God, but we need to be on the same page as the angels and revere God's name and his power and his glory. You know, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I fully believe that when Jesus was going away, he was praying, God, I want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is up there. I want to see your name 
be great. I want to see your name hallowed. I want to see your name revered. I want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, where do you want me to go? What's your will? See, the point, the point is with, with lack of intimacy results in selfishness. But when we come to God and we're intimate with God, we then know his will. We can then be in line with his will. We can then go in movement with what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go, because ultimately we're his. Are, are we not? Amen? You know, why, why live on, in, in, our lives on this earth without purpose, without something that's, that's solid, grounded, and going to do something for the kingdom of God? Because when all things are pushed and shoved to the end, we're, on, we're in life for this minuscule, tiny amount of time in the span of eternity, Let's do something awesome with it when we can get direction from God that's going to have eternal consequences. See, the things Jesus did affect us now 2,000 years later. But the things you do now can affect people 2,000 years later as well. You know, Jesus said in the book of John, which is awesome, that you will do the same things I've done, but even greater things. You know, you can walk on water. You know, you can raise people from the dead. You know, you can cast out demons. You know, you can lay hands on the sick and they will be healed because Jesus said it. And when we're in line with the will of God, we then move into that power and that authority that God has with us because we can receive direction to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We have a father, a dad in his place above all things who we can come and approach whenever we like. You know, his name's to be revered. We we had a we are to desire his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven above our own will and our own selfish wants and desires. Like I said, without intimacy, you, become, you can become selfish. Um, it's true even in our relationships. My relationship with, with Roosh, if I'm, we're lacking intimacy, if I'm not spending time with her, if I'm not, which can be a problem sometimes, I'm working on it. If I'm not spending enough time with Roosh, uh, I can become selfish. I can say, oh, these are what, this is what I want to achieve. This is what I want to do. Um, this is what I'm going to do. And then without me knowing, I'm putting it to the side. And that's what we can do with God. You know, lack of intimacy results in selfishness. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Um, give us this day our daily bread. You know, for me... Um, it reminds me of my dependence on God. You know, imagine, just imagine for a moment, imagine if God took away your ability to eat. You know, give us this day our daily bread. If God took you away, because you actually, we think about it and we think, oh, third world countries, people are asking for food all the time. But, but still over here in Australia and, uh, you know, our, our great nations of the world like America who have far, far more than we need, there's still people in hospitals who can't eat. There's still people out there who, um, you know, are struggling. Um, and I think that when we say, give us this day our daily bread, obviously you've got the disciples, you've got Jesus who are going out with nothing. No, like he sent them out, don't even take a spare set, set of clothes. Go out and watch me look after you. Um, you know, see how I look after the sparrows of the air. How much more are you worth? But I think we're called to remember our dependence on God. You know, he gives me the breath in my lungs right now. God, right now, in his will to, for me to stop breathing, he can do it. You know, the breath in my lungs right now is from God. The food that I ate this morning is from God. The clothes that I wear are from God. Everything I own, everything I have is God's and is to be used for his 
glory. Forgive us our sins or trespasses or debts as we forgive others. Um, I find it super interesting that through the different uh, versions of the Bible, it'll say, forgive us our trespasses or our sins, which is, um, you know, obviously like a sin, or forgive us our debts. Um, so often we, forget, we can forget that our, our sins accumulate as a debt. Um, and our debt has been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. But we can forget that, um, you know, Jesus first forgave us, so then we are called to forgive others. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Should we not? For us to walk around, for me to walk up here with this microphone talking to you guys and, 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 and preach to you guys about forgiving other people, if I was to stand here and show the fruit of my life to be unforgiveness towards other people, how could, how could you all forgive me if I was to do wrong to you? Or how, do I, how can I think a just God would forgive me if I am to hold unforgiveness towards other people, you know, the, in the in the in the Word of God, it says, um, you know, be careful, forgive others, and my Father in heaven will forgive you for your things and and and, and my sins, my wrongdoings through my life up to right now, would just be a tremendous pile of yuck, <laughs> for lack of a better word, <laughs> that you can say at church. Um, would just be tremendous, but God comes and he forgives us our sins. And therefore we are called to forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many of us know that there's an enemy out there? There's a lion that seeks to devour us. You know, there's, a, there, there's the devil and his demons going around trying to devour us as Christians. Trying to stop us from walking into the things that God's called us to do. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Like Jesus, when he was uh, getting tempted, you know, he said, um, Satan, you know, get out of here, pretty much. I'm resisting you. I'm resisting your temptation. You must now flee. But deliver us from evil. See, we can call on the name of Jesus and the devil must flee. The devil must go. You know, when we're facing things, when we when we're getting alone with God and our minds recenter on the things that God has for us, we know, God, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You have called me to be this. You've called me to be this. The devil's in your mind going, you're not good enough. The word's not going to work this time. You're not worthy. You say, get out in Jesus' name. Deliver me from evil and he, you will be delivered. We're in a spiritual battle all the time. Paul says it's more real then what we can see now, our reality here is less real than the spiritual realm. And you know what? It takes, it takes a revelation to, to really receive that from God. You know, there's stuff going around us all the time, but we have the power of prayer. We have the ability to call things into being through prayer when we're praying to God. And we're saying, God, you know, this is what your word says. I'm not seeing it right now, but I'm believing it. I'm, I'm going to call it into being in my life. And it will happen. I tell you right now. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Now, guys, 
Don't take everything I'm saying as final and, and, and whole because there's more to this. There's more to this because Jesus walked in full freedom, full authority, full fullness with God. His relationship with God was so tight-knit that everywhere he went was the will of the Father. You know, that is my prayer for us all. Imagine, imagine all of us praying to God, walking in the things that he has for us. Imagine um, Jacob and Toby, imagine you guys walking through school, and you, you know, like you hear God say, you man, I want you to do this. You go do it, and then you just watch God go, bang. You know, that's what happens when we're alone with God, and, we, and, and we're walking in, the thing, in, in what he has for us, and we're in, in, in that intimate relationship with, with, bleh, intimate relationship with God. And we're with him, and we're in, in, in prayer for him with him you know we're his children we can freely walk up to the place of unapproachable light and say daddy it's me we can call in his name with authority and power over the enemy there's a tremendous security and a tremendous confidence when we really receive that and take it into our hearts a tremendous tremendous confidence that i can come to the father anytime anytime When we get alone with God, we see some crazy things happen. And I want to give you guys a quick list or not so quick list of some awesome things that happened to people all throughout the Bible when they were alone with God. You know, being, being alone with God really does, does give you a taste of heaven, gives you a taste of, of, of what's to come, what God has for you. Greatest miracles of Elijah and Elisha were when they were alone, surrounded by an army. And then Elijah says, uh, praise to God, open my servant's eyes. Elijah's eyes are open and he looks around and sees an army of fire all around him, the kingdom of God. Jacob became a prince when he was alone with God in Genesis 32, 28. Joshua was alone when, he, when God came to him in the tent. In the book of Judges, Gideon and Jephthah were commissioned to save Israel. Moses was alone when he was called by the burning bush. Cornelius was alone when an angel appeared to him in Acts. Paul was alone praying when he was instructed to go and preach to the Gentiles, which has caused us to be incorporated into these promises of God. John the Revelator was alone on the island of Patmos when, the, when God revealed to him the, the book of Revelations. If we neglect to get alone with God we not only rob ourselves from the things that God has for us, but we rob others. We rob other people who God wants to touch through the things that he has for you. If John the, the Revelator decided, oh, I've, been, I've been put on this island on my own, you know, God, suddenly I'm giving up. We'd be without revelations. If Paul neglected to be alone with God, the Gentiles would have missed out or God would have raised someone else up. But he was obedient in what he was doing by being alone with God. You know, we, we, we're, we're called to be alone with God. Jesus led by example. He got direction. He got comfort. He got rest. He gained intimacy with God and knew his will because he got alone with God. And my prayer today is that we would all learn from Jesus. 
to get alone, to spend that time in prayer. You know, like, like Dad said last time I preached about change, you know, the best way to change is to get alone with God and for Him to lead you in it, for Him to direct you in, in it. You know, it said, uh, like I read before, Jesus got up early, He went out to pray to the Father, and when everyone was looking for Him, when He came back, He just said, time to move on, guys. I've heard. I've received. I've heard the voice of my Father leading us where to go. You know, where, that, that's for us. Let's, let's, let's follow the example. Let's get up. Let's go pray in the morning, come back and say, this is where I need to go. We need to move past this part in our lives. We need to go through this obstacle. This is how we do it because Jesus and God will lead us in that. Amen.